Swim me motherfucking B. Red bottom for the cleats. 22 up in his bleed. Bitch, I'm really in these streets. Crash nigga three C's. Thinking I was fucking for the free, bitch, please. Uh, been sliding all night, no sleep. Cuffing on that thigh, bitch, let the hoe be. Pin a bed plug for this Louis long sleeve. All that distance six feet is where you niggas gon' be. Uh, and when I hit your bitches from the back end, 850 for the belt, that's why I'm sagging. Uh, like Nike, I just do it, no practice. Niggas won't smoke shit, fuck it, let them have it. Hit stick up on my hip, but this ain't mad in, in the Aston, getting hit from a ratchet Clock plastic, make your mama pick a casket And if you ain't talking bad, ain't no collabing Bitch, bitch, bitch What's up, what's up, what's good with it, everybody? We back again for another episode Told y'all we was gonna be more consistent, man I told y'all we was gonna be back It's the Pick and Roll Podcast And it's a lot to talk about Sam, what's good, baby? What's up, world? Yeah, man. It's a, a lot that went on this past weekend in sports, so we'll dive straight into it. First off, starting off with uh, college football. There was, well, there were, there were a few teams that took losses, uh, some of them pretty significant, but I want to touch on one in particular. Oklahoma and the Red River shootout, which was just that. It was a shootout. Um, Texas seemed to be the team that had that had that game under control for majority of the game. They almost ended up blowing the lead at the end, but they did end up pulling it out. I want to ask you, Sam, how significant is this loss for Oklahoma? Do you think that it's 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 major? Um, I think it looks that way now, but I mean, Oklahoma was in this situation about the, about the same. About a year ago, I mean, they they took that L to Iowa State. We all canceled their season, and then I mean, end of the year they still end up getting into the four. I mean, yeah, of course, right now it looks bad, but I don't. I think that Texas is going to end up being a better team than what people anticipated. So that'll be a reason why um, it won't hurt Oklahoma as much. And then I also believe that um, Oklahoma it won't be the only team to take some lumps. So I think that's, that'll be another reason why ultimately it won't end up being that bad of a loss for them. I can see that. I can definitely agree with that. I think my stand, from my standpoint, I think that it is significant for the simple fact that they're going to need a lot of help now. And like you said, some teams definitely may take lumps. But now, uh, as opposed to last year, you're throwing in teams who are looking extremely dominant, like in Alabama, like in Ohio State, like in Georgia, Granted. Georgia and Oklahoma, or excuse me, Georgia and Alabama will most likely have to see each other in the SEC championship. But even along with that, you throw in another team who's not even in a conference in Notre Dame, who seems to be dominant, and they're slowly rising in the ranks. So with throwing a team in like that, you have to now at this point, you have to look for a Texas to continue to be as dominant as they would, as they have shown to be, which I don't think they'll be in conference play. I think that they'll take a few lumps. And on the other end, you're going to need other teams to lose. So basically you're banking on a team that just beat you. You're banking on them being dominant for the rest of the year, and you're banking on these dominant teams not being as dominant. And I think that's <laughs> going to hurt Oklahoma. Well, you know the Big 12, they got that conference championship game now too, so that could help them as well, especially if they could end up getting a rematch with the Texas or maybe a 
undefeated or one loss West Virginia that at the end of the year, if they go to the pack, I mean, the big 12 championship with a one loss, they are probably be somewhere around the top 10, maybe around like eight, nine. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good point is, um, they're split up into divisions, right? Yeah. Nah, I don't think so. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. I didn't think that they were split up into, um, Nah, they just do the still round robin. It's the top two plays. The top the two. That's what I thought. See, now you're banking on a Texas team or a WVU team losing. Now you're going to need Texas to lose multiple times because with you having one loss and them having one loss, obviously they're going to win the tiebreaker between you two. But you're also banking on that WVU team losing. So I, I don't know. I guess you're going to need WVU to lose to another team, and you're going to have to beat WVU as well in Oklahoma. So that I feel like it's a, it's a lot. It, the big ten, the Big Twelve championship definitely helps out that conference a lot, but I'm not so sure that it helps Oklahoma out. Yeah, they definitely are going to need some out outside help. They don't control their own destiny any longer. That's a fact. But um, they showed to me they showed a bit of weakness, which we hadn't seen from them because we hadn't seen them play against another offense uh, that was pretty prolific that could that uh could get creative on the offensive end and could actually fill it up and texas nah. did just that i knew oklahoma's defense was a weakness for them it always is i mean every year that even when they're good like even last year their their defense was still a weakness their defense is always a weakness for them like they they've wasted some great offenses behind some trash ass defenses for real. That's a fact. That's a fact. Like, I think that's a that's a staple of the Big Twelve as a whole. Like I can't remember the last time I've seen the Big Twelve team with a with a good defense. The year that uh um didn't they went to the national championship, yeah, a couple years ago, right? Who, Oklahoma? They, yeah. When they yeah. had uh when they had Stryker and uh and Tapper and them. Yeah, they did. They that did. was the that was a no Oklahoma no had a pretty decent defense. They had uh Zach Sanz- Sanchez and yeah, they didn't good... go to the championship. They played in a major bowl game, I believe it was. Nah, bro, they at least got in the four. Because I remember mm-hmm. Hale bought the t-shirts. And stuff. Oh yeah, when they got slapped up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. But yeah, they. Yeah. That was the time that they actually had a pretty decent defense, but normally Oklahoma's going to fill it up on offense and they're going to have a defense who's going to give up 30, 35 a game. Yeah, that sounds about right. And in this day and age, that's not a team that that makes it into the playoffs because major factor in the, the committee's decision has to do with the eye test. If they see a team that's, I guess, as bad defensively as an Oklahoma team, you're going to have to have an offense that completely overwhelms other teams that are looking to get in. And I don't see Oklahoma's offense as head and shoulders above anyone else's. I think that their offense is great. Don't get that misconstrued at all. But they're not any greater than any of the other teams that are fighting for a position in the top four, I don't believe. Their offense? Yeah, their offense. I don't see their. I wouldn't say head and shoulders, but I give them the second best offense that was in the top four. Head and I don't know. It's close between y'all and them. It's close between y'all two, but I don't think it's that close. 
I oh, really don't. Be. Not even from a, a a biased perspective. I don't think that their offense is much better than Georgia's. Um, Kyler Murray's QBR is the second highest through six games in college football history, and is second behind Tua. Yeah, Kyler Murray's a stud. He himself is a stud, but he himself is not going to be is not going to beat teams. Like hit their offense is good, but their offense is good when the rest of the players on the offense are clicking as well. Kyler Murray can only do but so much by himself. He been and, doing he been doing it lately so far this year. Yeah, but granted so far lately they haven't played any tough defenses at all. Really, I, I would say really the top out of the top four, um Bama's got the best offense probably I would say. And then I think everybody – I think it's pretty close between offenses. I think it's a lot of explosive offenses this year, really. Yeah, I can agree with that. I just – like I said, I don't see Oklahoma as being that team that just stands out as being, oh, their offense is so much better than such and such, so we definitely got to get them into the play. I wouldn't be mad if somebody gave y'all the edge over Oklahoma's offense. I, I just – it's close. It's it's close. Yeah, Georgia think, as well. I think it's close. Yeah, I can see all three of those teams being close, and that's that would be an issue for Oklahoma. Uh, moving forward, but uh, moving on to another team, well, another team that we just spoke on, actually, uh, Georgia. They have LSU this weekend, and LSU's coming off of a loss to Florida, which me and you talked about on the last episode. Uh, these next three games will be extremely pivotal for LSU. They didn't start this three-game stance in a good way at all. I had them winning that Florida game. Now that you lose that Florida game, the pressure's on. You have Georgia this week, and then you turn around, and it's Bama next week, right? Georgia, then Bama? Yes. No, no, it's Georgia, then Mississippi State, then Bama. Mississippi, yeah, 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 that's what it is. Georgia, Mississippi State, then Bama. So you've got four games that are all going to play a part in whether you make this playoff or whether you make a push at it. And they didn't start off good with – with that Florida game. But um, as far as them in Georgia, uh, what do you expect to see from that game? What's, what's your expectations for that? Do you expect to see LSU, uh, I guess, a little hungover from the loss? Do you think that that lingers into this game? Or do you see them as being that team that bounces back strong? What What do you see um, looking forward to this game? Well, I expect to see two things. First off, I expect to see LSU – to come back out swinging and showing that they are actually still a good football team, even though they just lost the game. Um, but I also expect Georgia to flex their muscles a bit, as you would say, and come out and show people why they are ranked number two in the country because they haven't really played anybody who has actually tested them besides South Carolina. And um, people are starting to say that they're not that good because they haven't been playing anybody and stuff. So I can't I can't wait for Georgia to come out and show people that they are in fact one of the top four best teams in the country. Yeah, I can agree with that a hundred percent. Me being an Ohio State fan, I'm extremely comfortable with where we are right now at number three because I honestly do believe that at this point in time, Alabama and Georgia are the two best teams in the nation. And like you said, Georgia is a team that a lot of people are doubting, seeing as they haven't played anybody. Um, I guess significant or anybody that's tested they, them at all. They made South Carolina look insignificant. Yeah, 
That's a fact. That's a fact because I believe South Carolina is a little better than they showed that game. But, yeah, this is definitely going to be a game where Georgia is going to have to show everybody, like, yeah, we're, we are that dog. We haven't lost a step from last year. And with LSU, like you said, it's it's uh you either get that we're here, we we lost, but it was time to bounce back strong, or you get that LSU team that, dang, we just lost to Florida. I can't believe we lost to Florida. New week, you got to move on. But, I mean, with this ball club, this is the first adversity that they've had to see. So we'll see how they are moving forward. Also, a guy that I'm fond of, I've said this multiple episodes, is Joe Burrow. I'm anxious to see how he moves forward in a situation like this. Can he rally his guys to get them ready to come back out here against a number two team in the nation and really show the world, guys, this is our opportunity. We lost last week, but this game could be way bigger than our loss. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm excited. I think I'm most excited for this game more than anything this weekend. That's a fact. And they're at LSU as well. So that that also holds a lot of weight. That's a tough environment to go in and play. But we all know that Georgia's got that stud at quarterback. So it's not like they're worried. But as far as other people, you never know. You never know if that receiving core will show up or start to drop passes or anything. But regardless, they'll have that, they'll have that devastating run game to lean on. That's a fact. But – I'm excited for that one. I'm excited. Was there anything else you wanted to add for that preview? Um, no. Nah, I just, I, I, I'm just really, I can't believe people really don't think that Georgia's any good because they haven't played anybody. But on the same, on the same hand, we have crowned Bama the best team by <laughs> far in the country, and they haven't played anybody. I'm, like, I just, it's weird. I mean, I know it's Bama, yes, but I'm mean, like. Um, Why are we we crown we crown some teams and then some teams we like uh but they ain't play nobody exactly exactly and I'm glad you spoke on that which leads us to our next topic how important is strength of schedule this season I'll go ahead and start off with this one I think in a season uh, such as this one strength of schedule holds a lot of weight because it doesn't seem like those um, top four teams are or I'll even say top five those top five teams are that far apart. You know, generally in a season, you'll see one or two teams that are just like, yeah, there's, they're a lot better than everybody else. Like, it's, it's theirs to lose. This year, the top three, four or five, all have a strong case for being a national champion this year. And I think strength of schedule is going to pay, play a big role for teams such as Notre Dame. Out of those top four or top five teams, Notre Dame has the most impressive resume at this particular point. They've beaten some tough ball clubs, um, starting off with Michigan, who was really high coming into this year. Saw how that happened in the season opener. They also knocked off Stanford, who was riding high. They also knocked off Virginia Tech last week, who was also ranked. And that right there, that that those are games that we'll look back on and we'll we'll I think that'll have a lot to do with whether they make it in or not. But strength of schedule is important in that aspect. But then like you said, on the other end of the spectrum, you got a team like Alabama who they don't play anybody. 
until they get the conference play. So the Auburn game, the LSU game, those are going to be major games. Those are games that they can't drop because of their resume. So strength of schedule is going to hold weight in that aspect as well because they haven't played anybody. So it's not like they can lose to LSU and then turn around and be like, well, earlier in the season they did beat numbers such and such rank whoever because they haven't. They don't have any resume wins at this point. But I think that it's going to be significant for a lot of teams this year. What's your take on that? Do you think strength of schedule is going to be pretty important heading, uh, I guess, moving forward into this season? I think I think strength of schedule was kind of somewhat like smoke and mirrors for the committee for the playoffs. I, I feel like it only matters for certain teams. Like, we're never going to talk strength of schedule when it comes to Bama. It's just not going to happen. They're undefeated. They're, They're getting in. Period. Or sometimes maybe even with one loss. Like, Bama, Bama most likely. Like last be, year. Bama's probably going to be in nine times out of ten. Bama's getting in. Like, strength of schedule don't matter for them at all, which is why you see a schedule like this. Because this year, they didn't even really get a tough conference schedule either. Yeah, not at all. It's I definitely mean, not your typical Alabama schedule. Yeah, uh, Strength of schedule for Notre Dame, I mean, yeah, it matters, but the committee clearly, or the, well, I guess we ain't got a playoff ranking yet, so I can't really say that, but I mean, the rankings ain't looking like it's favoring strength of schedule all that much either because Notre Dame really should be in the fourth. But, I mean, like I said, it's not a playoff ranking that we're getting. So, I guess maybe if it was the playoff rankings, maybe they would be in. But, like you said, they got the best resume so far. And before last week, it would have been LSU. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can definitely agree with that. That's that's another reason why I think strength of schedule will be so so uh, so pivotal because you look at a team like LSU. These next four games, as we said, are going to they're definitely going to hold a lot of weight. But even outside of those, let's say let's say they got they have a loss to Florida, and they run the table for the rest of those guys or the rest of those teams that they play. Um. When it comes down to looking at Georgia's resume, uh, Alabama's resume, if LSU is able to knock off both of those teams and all three of those teams have one loss, you look back at that Miami team that LSU beat earlier this year that was in the top ten when they beat them, who's also starting to gain more traction the more they go on to the season. That's That's going to hold a lot of weight for LSU. You look at a team like LSU, and they're going to be like, you want to look back like we beat the number eight team in the nation and we did, it wasn't close. Like we beat the brakes off of them. So that shows that we are good enough. Like we're, we're head and shoulders above obviously Alabama and Georgia. If they can pull, if they can pull those wins out and all three of those teams are at a stalemate with one loss, that Miami game is going to hold a lot of weight. So that in that aspect, it will hurt Bama. But like you said, it's Alabama. So the committee is likely to give them the nod regardless. If their only loss of the year is to an LSU team who has one loss, Bama's probably still going to get in. That's a fact. Yeah, I can see Georgia missing out before Bama. That's a fact. That's definitely a fact. But I don't know. It's a lot of football left to be played. And the SEC isn't tough this year by no means. But that top of the SEC, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, because people discounting Florida 
Like they not they what five and one now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and their only loss coming to Kentucky, who actually been playing. They lost this past week, but they've been playing some good football as well. Alabama, um, excuse me, Kentucky was undefeated heading into this game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They was playing some good football. So, I mean, you can't really count Florida out of this thing right now either. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely like I said, those teams up top right now, they're looking. They're all licking their chops because it's wide open right now. The SEC is wide open. Granted, it's Alabama and Georgia's to lose, but you're licking your chops at teams like uh, LSU that you just beat last week. You go from beating them to now turning them around and rooting them on so that they can knock off a team up top or just needing a team up top to lose at all so that it can bolster a team like Florida into being in the SEC championship, which eventually, to me, would lead them into – being in the conversation for the four. But it's a lot it's a lot that has to play out at this point, I feel like, in order for us to get that uh get the full gist of who's going to make the playoffs. It's a lot of teams that they just they're right there, but the smoke's gotta clear. We'll see yeah, we we got like you said, it's a lot of football to be played. It'll 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 clear itself out. Yeah, that's a fact. But Let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about the NFL. Now, Monday Night Football, we had one of the uh, most electrifying quarterbacks in the NFL uh, break a record, which was Drew Brees, and he became the all-time leading uh, leader, all-time leader in passing yards in NFL history by passing Peyton Manning. So, we know that Drew Brees is hands down one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this day and age. But my question to you, is Drew Brees a top 10 quarterback of all time? Yeah, that's an easy question. He's easily a top 10 quarterback of all time. I think I think the 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 better debate is top 5. Which I've I've got I've personally got Drew Brees in, at number 6 in my top 10 of all time. You think he's got a case for top 5? I mean, he. I think he's got a case, but I'm not putting him there. He's not top five to me. But I mean, you could. I mean, how could you not make a case for him with, with the numbers that he's put up? Yeah, his numbers are spooky. But let's see. You go no particular order: Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, Johnny Unitas, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Dan Marino. Steve Young, John Elway, and I had Drew Brees coming in at 10. At 10? At 10, behind all of those guys. See, to me, he's I can't make a case. I can't make a case for him being above any of those guys. Yeah, his stats scream that I'm top five, possibly, but it's hard for me to put him over those, those other guys. I mean, I – I could see putting him in somewhere, maybe around eight. Unitas, Elway, Young, definitely better than. Ugh. Definitely better than. Uh, I don't know, man. Definitely. And then you get to like, did you say Brett? You didn't even say Brett Favre, huh? Yeah, I said Favre. Okay, so then you get to Brett Favre, and it's I like. I have Favre at six. 
I'm I'm gonna give Drew Brees the nod over Brett Favre. I know oh, Brett Favre, my the guts, the I know the guts, but that guy threw a lot of interceptions, like a whole busload of the bitches. I gotta give him the nod over 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 Brett Favre as well. Oh my goodness! That's why I came to six, but there's no he's that top five. He can't he can't grace that. I talked to some people today who actually do have him in their top five of all time. Yeah, but, I've seen. Uh, we actually had the discussion earlier with a couple of guys who were making the case that they're taking Drew Brees over Peyton Manning, and I can't do it. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's close. Like I really couldn't make the decision at first, but. When it came down to it, when I really started thinking about it, I'm like, we never felt like – I mean, as nice as Drew Brees was, we have never felt like he's the best quarterback in the league. That's a fact. Not one time, not one year in his career have we ever really felt like Drew Brees was the best in the league. All right, so if you have him scratching your surface at six, who are your five that you have ahead of him? Brady. Montana, um, Marino, mm-hmm. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Who was my who was my fifth? Hold on. Can I even write it down? Hold on. Who I say? Brady, Montana, Marino, Rogers. Oh, Peyton Manning. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, <laughs> you don't got paid money. Yeah, yeah, he's he's number four for me. Yeah, all all five of those guys, I definitely have above him. But like I said, man, it's I can't. I don't think I can give him the nod over Favre. It's very close. I feel like that's probably the closest out of all of the ones that I have. But um, huh. Unitas was I feel like Unitas was special in the sense that I feel like he was a little bit before his time. A lot of people never really got to see Unitas because of the decade that he played in. But if you go back and watch the footage, it's there. Unitas was special. He was a special quarterback. It's better than Johnny Unitas, bro. <laughs> Statistically, yeah. <laughs> Statistically, that's a fact. But off of the eye test, it's very difficult. It's very difficult for me to say. But um, outside of Unitas, Steve Young, it's a little bit of dent in his seeing as the talent that he had to throw to. Yeah, um, and, and John Elway, the running game that he had. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm true. saying. That's what I, Drew Brees definitely better than uh, – than Young, he better than Elway. He better than Unitas, for sure. Like I said, Brett Favre is like, uh, you could go either way with that. I'm giving Breeze the nod because of the interceptions. Mm. I, I can't dispute you for that. I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, but with me, I got to give the nod to Favre, but the more I look at these other quarterbacks, I can see him making it maybe like seven on my list. And I um, I think the conversation about Peyton Manning and Drew Brees is interesting just because their stats and everything is like almost identical. Like that conversation is, is interesting because you can, once you start making the case for somebody else, 
like you can counter that argument easily with the other guy. Like that's that's a fact. That's definitely a fact. I feel like the thing that separated those two in the discussion for me was the fact that Drew Brees is breaking Peyton Manning's records, uh, just like the one that he just broke the other day. So it shows how close they are statistically. But when it comes to accolades, they're not close at all. Right. Yeah. And for the, if you're that close in statistics, then you have to have something to outweigh the other person. And Drew Brees just does not have that when it comes to them two. Peyton Manning is head and shoulders above him when it comes to accolades. And and Drew Brees only played in the one Super Bowl that he won, right? Right. That's and the only one. Peyton Manning played in three. Like, and at some point when you have an individual argument, it, you got and you talking about quarterbacks and you talk about winning, you got to at least account for him making it to more Super Bowls as well. To Peyton Manning's two and one, exactly versus one and zero. Oh, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And it's that that gauntlet that Peyton Manning had to go through exactly. a couple of times was that 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 spoke volumes. That still speaks volumes for what he is. And along with that. I brought this up earlier. Accolades, the the accolade that stood out to me the most. Peyton Manning is a seven-time first-team All-Pro selection. That's saying that he's the best quarterback in the league seven years in a row. Or not in a row, pardon me. Seven years, period. Drew Brees is a... First time or first team all pro one time in his entire career. That spoke volumes for me. Once I saw that, I'm like, okay, that that stood out. That stood out a lot. That's seven times is difficult to do. But when you're going to make a case for another guy, if that other guy has one, that it's hard. It's hard for me to to look in that guy's direction. I'm sorry, but that's not to take anything from Breeze. Breeze is one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen, as far as my generation is concerned. He's magnificent. He's a wizard with the ball. He's just he's great. But like you said, it simply comes down to there's never been a year in the NFL where I felt like Drew Breeze has been the best quarterback in his entire career. Simple as that. But um, yeah, man, I I definitely think that Drew Brees is a top ten quarterback of all time. As I said, he's probably about seventh on my list. So, I mean that that's I don't think that that should be much of a de- debate at this point. But yeah, he's congrats to him also for breaking that record. I feel like he's still got a lot of um a lot of good meaningful football left ahead of him. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, he's not looking like he's taking a step back at all. But let's talk about a team that is taking a step back. The Super Bowl champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. They, uh, they're looking very subpar, <laughs> very subpar. And it's funny for me to say because they are a conference team and my Cowboys are looking horrible. But it makes it a lot easier when a team like Philadelphia who had such high expectations is looking just as bad. So with as bad as Philadelphia is looking, do you think 
it's time that they make a move after, I mean, the guy that everybody's been saying is the target for Philadelphia and Le'Veon. Do you think it's time that they make a move? I mean, yeah, I think it's time they make a move for him, but I don't think that they do, they should do it out of, out of panic. I just think they should do it because they got a chance to get Le'Veon. I, I wouldn't panic if I was the Eagles. I mean, it's early in the year, and they just got their quarterback back. So, I yeah. Wouldn't, I wouldn't panic if I was them, but I definitely would be trying to get Le'Veon. Like, also, why, why are we also, asking? Also, you got to throw in the wrench that they're starting running back. Jay Ajayi just tore his ACL, so he's gone for the year. Yeah, definitely. But, so, so, with that being the case, I feel like it is time to panic, especially what is this? We're heading into week six, right? This yeah. is week six of the NFL. But, week seven was when Le'Veon was supposed to report to Pittsburgh. You want to get get at that man before Pittsburgh gets a chance to pitch him. That's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, you, you get him if you got a chance to do it. But, I mean, with Jay Ajayi being gone, I mean, yeah, that's their best running back. But they're kind of like a running back by committee type team. Anyway. Agreed. Agreed. So it, I, I mean, I'm not saying that's not a blow to the team, but it's not like a killer. Like they're not going to their running game's not just going to disappear because they don't have him. They they use a bunch of running backs anyway. Yeah, that's a fact. I just feel like with the running back like Le'Veon, that changes everything. That changes the the dynamic completely for a Philadelphia team. A team that looks like they're struggling, that's not as prolific on offense as they should be. You plug in a guy like Le'Veon, you're back. You're right where you need to be and probably more because that Le'Veon himself is going to take off a lot of pressure from your wide receivers. Now you got to worry about Le'Veon out of the backfield. You got line. You can line Le'Veon up wherever, which is a luxury that I don't feel like they have with any of the running backs they have on their team outside of Sproles. Mm-hmm. Sproles is a guy that you can line up outside and let him do what he does, but everybody knows that Sproles is getting up in age. He ha- he's still quick, but he doesn't quite have that step that he used to have. And Le'Veon just brings that that dynamic to the team to where now you got to scheme around Le'Veon. And what's that going to do for Carson Wentz? Open everything up. Yeah, I just they'd be they'd be built like this. Not quite, not not quite as uh well similar. Um, yeah, very similar, but. That it, that that monster out in L.A., man, that, that offense is scary. It don't matter what you do. you There's no way to scheme up against it because they have weapons everywhere. But one thing I will say for Philly that I don't think enough people are shining light on, Zach Ertz is slowly or quietly making the case for being the best tight end in the league. He's been putting on. And no matter what you do we to talk- him, safety over the top. Anything. Are we talking about uh, best tight end in the league when Gronk's hurt? That's what y'all mean by that. Because <laughs> um, there's no, bro, no. I don't. I don't think anybody's better than Gronk in the exactly. NFL, so NFL, tight end. Everybody trying to make cases for Kelsey and Ertz. Yeah, they the best when Gronk hurt. When Gronk is playing football, he's the best tight end. Yeah, Dude. that's that's not a doubt in my mind. At all, <laughs> like there's. When I say making the case, I mean you're in the conversation now. I feel like with me, it's clear and cut, Gronk. 
But if you bring up these guys, it's like, okay, well, you got a little point. I can see why you feel that way, but I'm still riding with Gronk. Every the day. reason why you feel that way is because he plays for your team. That's why. <laughs> I don't think so. Man, I think there are a lot of. I'm not. That's not to say Philly those, fans. That's not to say those guys aren't good though. Yeah, it's, that's a fact. Gronk it's just is on another level. He's, he's otherworldly. Like he's, he's he gets triple teamed at times. Yeah, and still makes plays. Like you. Yeah, Gronk's the best tight end. And no, I'm not a Patriot fan. So. Yeah. But you could also throw that counter argument that, yeah, Gronk's getting triple team, but he's got the best quarterback of all time, arguably throwing him. Bro, the ball. if you put Gronk on any team, he gonna go crazy because it's the yards after the catch and stuff like that that separates him to me. Yeah, it, I can agree like, with that. You just get him the ball. Like it's not like he's doing anything extra spectacular. You just can't tackle him. No, no, his body frail as shit. He guaranteed to get hurt every year. <laughs> that's a fact. Yeah, that's the thing with Gronk. Like, it's like you can't be that nice and durable. Like, he he, he going to get hurt every year. It's just a matter of when he's going to get hurt. That's a, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. I want to do a quick take here. Uh, you just spoke on how frail he is and how he continues to be injured. I want to ask you, we touched on it a little bit last week, but do you think that what we're seeing now out of Leonard Fournette is his future ultimately being injured on the regular? Nah, I don't think so. I mean, I hope not. Nah, I it's feel more like what I really want to say. I feel yeah. complete opposite. I feel that this is this is it. I feel like this is the Fournette. Like what we see is what we're going to get. Granted, he's a great football player. But I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that can't stay on the field. And it's not it's not strictly off of what I'm seeing in the NFL. A lot of it has to do with college, too. He was a little banged up in college. A lot of people don't remember. He wasn't, like, seriously injured. But he had a lot of nagging injuries. And in the NFL, it seems to have lingered over. And it's not a good look at all. Like, I just... He's far too talented and far too young to be as injured as often as he is. Yeah. I just I, I hope the I hope the young guy shakes it off him. He's been a power runner for his whole career, even even through middle school probably. That's why. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He runs extremely hard every play. So I mean I guess it's bound to happen eventually. But yeah, I Enough about enough about the injuries. I don't want to speak that up on anybody else. And I, I wish him, uh, I wish him well wishes, and I hope that he has a speedy recovery and comes back. But we'll see how that plays out. Let's jump into a a, a topic that's a little new this week. We never really touch on this, but you are, you're the betting guy, especially out of this duo. You're you're the betting guy. So. We'll do a segment called This Week's Locks. You can allow our visitors or our viewers, should I say, into into your betting world, college and or NFL. What locks do you have this week? Um, I got Alabama minus 28 versus Missouri. Yeah, they about to bash them up pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> then I got um, 
I got Iowa State plus six at home versus WVU. Mm. Now, I'm not saying Iowa State got to win this game, but, but they'll cover. I, I think they will cover. They're coming off a they coming off a big win last week on the road against number 25 Oklahoma State. So they're gonna be riding high. They got no, no, WVU what number eight? The uh, WU number six. Number six coming in yeah. the Ames. Yeah, they're gonna be hyped up. I, I think they covered. I still think WVU will win the game though, but I, I think it'll be by like three points, maybe four points, okay. something like that. Okay, so for our viewers who aren't too familiar with betting, you said that Iowa State's plus six. Explain to them exactly what that might mean. Well, the the line is six, so that means WVU is favored to win the game by at least six points. So the easiest way to put that is um, when the game starts, WVU is already losing six to zero. Basically, so I mean, so basically, for those who don't know, by the end of the game, Iowa State does not have to win; they just can't lose by six or more. Is that right, or is it just is it more than six? If they lose by six, then it's a tie. So okay, so yeah, you want if you're looking to bet on Iowa State, you're hoping that they lose by uh, less than six, pretty much. If you take out yeah. state, so, yeah. All right. So, what other locks do you have? I got uh, Notre Dame versus Pitt. They're minus twenty and a half, so they got to win by twenty one. Okay. And um, I think they' about to roll in behind that new identity one more week. Okay. With Ian Book, because he' been going crazy, tossing that pig skin around. Yeah, he' been looking good. That's a fact. And then for the NFL, I got the Eagles minus three and get them against them Giants. And uh, them Rams minus seven. Of course, seven. I should have known that was coming. Nah, because I don't always bet on bet on my team, but I think I think we we should be pretty fine against the Broncos minus seven. Uh, we'll see, we'll see, definitely. But those are your locks this week. So, if you are a guy that likes to go out and bet, you heard it here first. Sam just gave you the blueprint to go out and, and hit your ticket. When we come next week. We're going to have my record, too. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. We're going to have your record. And also, next week, we're going to touch on this and see exactly where Sam stands as far as his picks from this week. So, all of our listeners out there, y'all make sure y'all keep a tab on who Sam just called out because I know I will, definitely. But let's jump into our weekly pickums. This week, we got number two, Georgia, at number 13, LSU. Who you got? I got Georgia. I got Georgia as well in a very tight one. Um, next, number seven, Washington at number 17, Oregon. Who you got? I got Oregon. I think they finally oh. they get the win that they should have got against Stanford. See, I want to go with Oregon, but I still got that part of me that's still holding on to Washington, becoming that team to get into the four. But uh, I'm Pac-12 going. ain't getting the team this year. I'm going Washington. I'm going Washington. Washington over Oregon, just to show the world that we are still we're we're we're, we're still a good ball club. Um, last one for college, number fifteen Wisconsin at number twelve Michigan. Who you got? Michigan. Michigan. I got Wisconsin. I can't go with that team up north. It's not in me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you was calling Wisconsin trash though. I was, but I think this is a game where Wisconsin shows. This is Wisconsin's type of type of game. Michigan doesn't really have that high-powered offense that really uh, puts pressure on Wisconsin. They can play their ball game and not actually get out of their scheme. 
against a team like Michigan. You come up against a team like Ohio State or a team like Penn State that likes to put up points, then the pressure's on. Your defense really has to come to play. Your offense has to be extremely efficient, no turnovers, none of that. But against Michigan, Michigan's going to give you the ball, so you're, you, I mean, you, you've got enough room for, for error. And well, that for the people who listen to us all the time, y'all know I picked Michigan to go to the four, so my pick might be a little, <laughs> little biased. I need them to win this game to keep this keep it rolling, please. It's over. <laughs> it's over. Them boys ain't even sniffing the playoffs. It's a wrap for that. Get out of here. Nobody try to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. This nigga did. He did pick Michigan over my Buckeyes too. Because look, look, that. my Trojans is gonna be. And my Trojans ain't going. We ain't going to no Rose Bowl or nothing this year, most likely. So, so right now you looking like possibly two of your teams gonna get in, huh? Yeah, I'm. I'm looking to. Uh, I'm looking to at least be right about Michigan this year. Yeah, not happening. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't looking good for you. Let's jump they to. They still the... play y'all and Penn State, right? And they, yeah, they gonna lose to us. That's a fact. You can cancel that. It's over. But um, let's jump to the NFL now. Eagles, Giants. Who you got? I got the Eagles. Mm, I think I got. It's time for Eli to sit it on down beside his brother, man. <laughs> I think I think I got the Eagles too because Eli seems to be a uh, a sensitive guy and I think those Odell comments rubbed him the wrong way. Not and I don't think Odell did anything wrong at all, but I just think Eli's that type of guy that he's he's going to come out there and he's going to drop he's going to lay an egg. He's going to lay an egg. So I'm taking the Eagles uh in that game. Uh let's see next NFL game Pittsburgh Cincinnati. Who you got? Cincinnati. <laughs> you said that confidently. You got them by by a lot. Nah, it's just bad karma for Pittsburgh. Mm. I think Pittsburgh bounces back. I get. I think they get the dub this week. I'm going Pittsburgh. Chiefs Patriots. Who you got? I need your pick and your score for this one. It's the game of the week. It's in Foxborough, right? It is. Okay, so that guarantees I'm picking the Patriots. Um. I'm going to take the Patriots in a stupid close one, like 24-23. Oh. Like last drive, Brady pulled something, one of them type of games. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, I got the Patriots as well for the simple fact that it is in Foxborough. Uh, the Chiefs are undefeated, so this is a game that the Patriots are going to get up for. The Chiefs are just coming off of that win against the Jaguars, which we thought that Jaguars V was going to show Mahomes what the NFL was about. Mahomes showed that defense what he was about. <laughs> and I think this is a week where he, he gets a little too comfortable out there and he makes a, a couple crucial mistakes that you can't make against a Patriots team. So I'm taking New England. And I like it how you said. I can see uh, Mahomes going down, getting a crucial touchdown toward the end of the game, and Tom Brady marching the Patriots down and winning the game at the end. So I'm going to take the Patriots by a score of 31-24. Yeah, I like that. 31-24 Patriots. Now, before we get out of here, Sleeper pick of the week, NFL or college? Who you got? 
Sleeper pick. Cowboys. Cowboys. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's a sleeper pick. Over the Jaguars. We got a fifty-six percent chance to win that game. They got us as a favorite to win that game. Maybe that's just a sleeper for me. I think y'all are absolutely horrible. I was sleeping at honey. <laughs> so maybe. <laughs> yeah, just I fucking food. hate when we are this bad because it ain't no rebuttal for that. I have <laughs> no rebuttal at all. There's nothing I can say uh, except for fire Jason Garrett. Get him the fuck up out of Dallas. <laughs> like tomorrow. When y'all gonna start blaming Dak though, man? He trash too, bro. You can't blame Dak for the simple fact that Dak has zero receivers to pass to and he's making plays like it's not like I said this uh, a couple weeks ago it's not like he's out there throwing interceptions willy-nilly I give him uh, last week the interception he threw when uh, the pass was intended for Tavon Austin that was his fault because the ball was a little too high his other interception was not his fault so the only the only thing in, that makes me want to give Dak a pass is the simple fact that y'all don't even run the offense that's tailored towards y'all's offensive weapons. Fact. Fact. That's the only thing in me that be wanting to give him a pass. But before um, – who did y'all beat? Who was y'all's last win? Um, who was it? We y'all finally – We beat the Giants. Oh, uh, no. Nah, uh, when Zeke was catching the Detroit. passes. Detroit. Yeah, when y'all before y'all beat Detroit, uh, Dak had threw for less than uh, two hundred yards in nine of the last eleven games. Yeah, and like, that's that's what confused me. That's what confused me because they went out this year and got quote unquote Dak friendly receivers, but they're not running Dak friendly plays. That doesn't make sense. You've got. A bunch of scat guys. You've got Tavon Austin who can catch the ball in space and make something happen. Cole Beasley's still there, can catch the ball in space, make something happen. You got your young guy, Michael Gallup, that we drafted in the third round, who's a speedster. He can make plays. But everything that we're throwing takes too long to develop. If I think Jerry Jones wanted Dak to be he wanted some, him to be the a gunslinger. Yeah. Nah, he wanted him to be some gunslinger out there just slinging it all around the field. Yeah, maybe he's too used to us having Romo and that he's thinking that we still have a quarterback that you can line up in a five wide and he won't go out there and make something happen. But that's not that's not Dak's MO. Like like you said, I believe it was you that said it last year. If Dak if we have to rely on Dak to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game, it's a loss every every time. Yeah. yeah every you just single can't time. Do it. And with the workhorse like Ezekiel Elliott, I don't understand why. You saw how effective he was against a team like Detroit. Granted, coming into uh, last week's game, there was a lot of speculation that he was a little banged up from that uh, Detroit game with the knee and the ankle, but he said he was good to go. But you see how effective he is when you feed him that ball. You feed him, feed him, feed him, and then you can open it up to Dak and let him do what he does. But, like I don't understand what it what's the problem. Like it's not hard. It's, it's not. not it's not. But they get into that panic mode to where the first two drives, if they feed Zeke and he doesn't do anything, they're like, okay, well now we have to go to something new. Which that's not how the NFL works. You don't base your whole scheme off of your first two or three possessions. 
when the NFL, if you have a running back like Ezekiel Elliott, you keep feeding that dog because by the third, fourth quarter, he's worn that defense down. And now is when he starts to bust those runs open, especially with an offensive line like we have. Like, get behind those guys and let them go. But I can respect that. Your sleeper pick is Dallas. I can I can respect that. So my sleeper pick is I'm going to go college. My sleeper pick of the week is Pitt. I like Pitt a lot in that Notre Dame game. I like them because Pitt is that sneaky good team. They're never great, but they can always string together a good performance. And they have a great job. They do a great job of making you play a game differently than what you're used to. Like, uh, I said this last week. You look back to last year's game when Miami was undefeated and went into Pitt and played against Pitt, and they lost because Pitt took them out of their scheme. Y'all like the turnover change so much? Well, we're not going to turn the ball over. We're going to manage the clock. Excuse me. We're not going to air it out. No interceptions. We're going to smash mouth y'all, and if y'all can get us with some fumbles, then y'all can wear that turnover chain. But if not, sorry, it's not happening. And I think that they're going to do a good job of keeping Notre Dame's offense off the field when they need to. So, I like them in my sleeper. I'm not necessarily saying that they will win, but that's my sleeper pick. That's definitely somebody that somebody I feel like the nation should look out for. That's definitely going to be a tough one. Man, UCF and Penn State beat the brakes off Pitt. Yeah, but it those are the brakes off of. That's that's a fact. But those are two teams that you're not going to get up for the same way that you're getting up for this game. This is a Notre Dame team. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. That has gone out and whooped up on some teams, and they could possibly at this point have the big head. Big head. They on the road though, ain't they? Yeah, Pitt is, I believe. Oh man, they about to get worked. So they got to go to South Bend. Oh, it's over. They on <laughs> So like I said. Sleeper pick of the day of the week. Make sure y'all look out for him. If Pitt wins, I'm I'm just saying you heard it here first. You had me over here about to change my lock. The other day. <laughs> I look, nah, hell no, they about to get ran up out of out of South Bend. Bro. All so. right, watch what I tell you. I'm trying to tell you, man. I, I like Pitt a lot, but uh, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want to tell the listeners? Uh, nah. I mean. Actually, yeah, but it ain't about football. It don't got to be because I was going to say something that wasn't about football either. We're probably on the same page. What were you going to say? I got something to say about basketball. Man, listen. Stop. All this KD hate, it's time to let all this KD hate go, man. It's three years later. KD plays for the Warriors. Damn. Let it all go, please. Like, I'm tired of seeing the memes and the the shade posts where it don't even got KD's name in it, but you could tell who it's about. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just like, just let it go, man. It's three years, it's three seasons later now. Come on, it's time to move on. He about to leave the Warriors anyway, I feel like. Yeah, just to piggyback off that, man, I agree with that 100%. You have to look at the situation like this, man. Kevin Durant stepped into this situation being the second best basketball player on the planet. In this situation, he's showing that he's still the second best basketball player on the planet. And even on that big stage, outshowing the number one player in the nation, the best player in the uh in the world, being LeBron. So 
people have to stop acting like KD going to the Warriors is really benefiting KD that much. It's benefiting him in the aspect of winning, but as far as dominance, he's just as dominant as he was with Oklahoma City. There's nothing you can do. You can plug Kevin Durant anywhere, and he's going to have success. If you're going to complain about the team, by all means, do that. But with that same breath, y'all go ahead and talk about LeBron and what he did in Miami, which was forever ago, just like this KD decision was forever ago. It's time that y'all let it go. But what I was going to touch on is, ladies and gentlemen, it's basketball season. It's here, man. Next week, basketball is here. So you know what that means? We get the best two sports possible being played at the same time. And that's the best time of the year for me. I, I love it. I love it more than anything. I'm pretty sure Sam can attest. He goes the same way, but. Yeah, them um, them them college basketball, college football Saturdays. Oh my goodness, That's, it gets no better than that. But I mean, y'all know we had to plug this in somewhere. Y'all make sure y'all watch out for the blue devils this year. We're here, we're back. It's ain't nothing new. We don't rebuild, we reload, baby. We back just like Banner. it was last year. Banner chasing. Yeah, this year, this year I feel a little more confident that we are going to take that step and actually hang another banner you know me and y'all know me you can't tell me nothing about my blue devils i feel like (laughs) one every year (laughs) that's a fact but um yeah man that's that's pretty much it for the pick and roll podcast signing out it's your boy ish it's your boy sam man i appreciate y'all for listening we out